Welcome back to season two of the Ivy League Prep Academy podcast, equipping you to successfully pursue the college of your dreams. We believe everyone deserves to reach their full potential and the admissions process shouldn't hold you back. Hello and welcome back everyone. This is part three of the masterclass that we did inside of our Facebook group, Parents of Ambitious Teens, Personal Growth and Healthy College Prep. We did this masterclass all about time management and focus, helping our teenagers and parents out there who will support teens to understand how they can use their time more effectively and use biology, use your natural impulses for you rather than against you. I hope you love this section of the masterclass. And I hope that you join the Facebook group so that you can participate in future masterclasses for free. Let's jump back into the Zoom room. Understanding that, we need to also be clear that oftentimes the reason why we don't do what we know is good for us is because we believe the long-term rewards, knowing that life is going to get easier when we make the hard choices, knowing that we're going to be healthier when we do healthy things, when we exercise and eat right, knowing that we're going to be more refreshed if we sleep well tonight, all those things, we think that knowing the long-term rewards should be enough to motivate us. What we neglect when we focus on the long-term rewards is how pleasurable the process of getting to those long-term rewards could be. And that, that's the piano on the stairs. Can we make the stairs more fun? Can we make the hard choice just a little bit more enjoyable? Because if we can, then we can alter that equation and we're going to start to see success. All right, first thing I want you to do, write down a list of tasks that you know are important, the hard choices, which you know will lead to an easier life, but for one reason or or another, you just don't always stay committed to. I'm going to give you a few, like 30 seconds to write these out. You probably have two to three ideas in your mind right now. Man, this is the thing that I really struggle with. Go ahead and write those down. Now I want you to remember Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins was tasked with helping two orphans, or not orphans, but two children whose parents worked a lot out of the home. And so she was brought in. Those two children were difficult to work with and every other person that the parents had hired had had kind of quit on them, but Mary Poppins didn't. And one of the things that she did that really uh, inspired the kids is this song, The Spoonful of Sugar. So as you are writing down your list, and I am serious, I I would like you to get a piece of scratch paper and write down the things that you know are good for you, right? You know, you, if you did them, you would be more productive. Okay. This list right here, but you don't always stay committed to as you're writing down that list. Let me tell you the story of the song spoonful of sugar. Okay. Um, The actress who played Mary Poppins was not going to actually play her on in the Disney movie. Um, and the, her biggest complaint was the it was one of the songs. And so they had to rewrite the song in order to get the, the actress that they wanted. And the writer uh, who, who wrote Spoonful of Sugar, he actually was inspired when his child came home from school and told him that the, that the child had their polio vaccine at school that day. And the writer of this song said, man, that must have been really painful. Are are you okay? Did it hurt? And the child laughed and said, no, 
they just put the polio vaccine, it was an oral vaccine, they just put it in a sugar cube and we just ate the sugar cube. It was amazing. I'd love to take that vaccine every day. And that is where the song Spoonful of Sugar actually was inspired from. Okay, the writer heard that story from his son and then wrote that song and the rest is history. The, the actress uh, agreed to do the, the movie and it's, it's just been a, a highly successful movie. But that part of the movie, she says that every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. And she said something like, you find the fun and snap, the job's begun or something like that. And then, she, you know, just a spoonful of sugar, right? And that, you might remember that song. Guess what? Look at the list of things that you have that you can't always do effectively. You know that if you did these activities more consistently, you would have a better life. They're the hard choices that make life easier, the things that are really good for you. What might you be able to do to add a spoonful of sugar to make that activity immediately fun? Now, as you are thinking about this, let me tell you that what parents often do with teens is they discount the teenager's ideas and they say, no, here's what we're going to do. If you accomplish goal X, Y, and Z by the end of the semester, then we'll take you out and have a nice dinner or we'll give you some money or we'll do this or we'll do that. That is the biggest mistake, the most common mistake with this strategy. The spoonful of sugar has to be immediately pleasurable. It cannot be delayed pleasure. In order for you to experience that same dopamine hike that students are getting when they choose to move off of a focus task onto a downhill task, you receive a dopamine hike a few seconds before you distract yourself, right? That is biology working without your awareness, okay? Without being hooked up to those electrodes, the students wouldn't know that they're anticipating a switch. They just know that when they switch, they have to switch, okay? How can we reprogram those? internal dopamine hits? How can we add a spoonful of sugar to the tasks that are not pleasurable? This has to be immediately pleasurable activities. So what are some examples? One thought is only eat your favorite snack when studying your hardest subject. You're not allowed to eat the snack when you're not studying the subject, but when you are studying the subject, you are allowed. You can begin to look forward to studying the subject because you crave that favorite snack. If you like to uh, watch TV or listen to audiobooks, but you have a hard time exercising, you know that exercise would be a game changer for you. You can do the same thing. Only watch TV or listen to audiobooks while you're running, while you're on the treadmill, while you're exercising, while you're on the bike or whatever. Have study sessions with friends. I've got a great example. There are three students who all played the violin who were in the Ivy League Challenge. This is a cohort about a year ago, they decided that they were going to make their violin practice even more fun. Okay, they had already, they're, they're disciplined and they're, they're elite violinists. So they'd already mastered this, make the hard choice and make life easier as it goes, but they decided to, to take it one level further when they learned this. And now every day, even today, every day they have a set time that they call each other on Zoom, they all put each other on mute, they mute themselves, and then they show, they just practice together, even though they're in different states in the US. Um, they, they set up a time and they practice together. You can do the same thing with your focus time, which we'll learn about in just a second. You can find a friend that says, okay, every day at this time, or uh, according to this schedule, we're going to call each other and we're going to do our focus time together. That's a way to make it fun. The tiny pivot that I'm advocating here is to shift your focus 
on willpower, on self-discipline and long-term benefits, that's what everyone focuses on. How important this task is, how important the end result is. Shift the focus from focusing on how important it eventually will be and refocus yourself on making the task itself more enjoyable while you're doing it. There's a reason why we say the words pay attention. When we're talking about focus, when we're talking about time management, we say the words pay attention. And not only is your attention valuable to you, it's valuable to others as well. In fact, there's an entire industry of really, really well-paid engineers working hard to figure out how to hack your biology and steal your attention from you. Why? Because your attention makes them money. And what I am saying is these people know that it's easier to jump down from a hard task. And so every notification, every ping, every buzz is a reminder that there is an easier task that you can distract yourself with. Parents, if you feel like your teenager is less disciplined than you were at their age, believe me, they deal with much, much more professional and much more competent resistance than you dealt with. The opponent on the other side of the net today is far more powerful than it was before social media. Be aware of that. Create some space for awareness there. But teenagers, look, you should be aware of this too. And you can be proactive. Uh, I know so many of my students, once they realize how important their focus is, they'll just delete some of these apps from their phone. Just remove it. And they all report to me that it was hard at first and it was so good. Uh, It just hurts so good, right? At the beginning it hurts, but then it's just everything improves. Now that you're aware of this, leverage your natural tendencies to your benefit. Delete the app if it's too powerful. Make the choices that empower you to be in control and make the hard choices, the choices that are good for you, as pleasurable as possible. Make the easy choices, the distracting choices, the stuff that's going to throw you off as difficult as possible to do. Remove them from your apps, remove them from your life, remove them from your environment so that you can be more likely, you will be more likely uh, to, to make the choices that are better for you. Now, Here's the other thing. When you need 100% focus, it's totally reasonable to say, I'm only going to watch Netflix while I'm working out because you can work out and watch Netflix at the same time. But you cannot focus and watch Netflix at the same time. You can't do your report or study for your test and watch Netflix at the same time. That's going to be a bad idea. So what do we do? What do we do when we need to focus 100% and there's nothing immediately enjoyable There's no spoonful of sugar to studying and full focus right in the moment. Here's my suggestion to you. This is what I did. I believe that this is what helped me get into Harvard and get through Harvard. I believe that this is what helps my students to be more productive. I have focus time. Okay. I block out time. Right now, you see on the screen here, 50 minutes plus recovery. 50 minutes is the extreme. All right. But you can make it a game literally today. Make it a game to see how productive you can be in five minutes. If, if, if five minutes is what seems reasonable to you, start with five minutes. And parents, don't, don't cut out your teen's knees from under them, all right? If you feel like, man, you should be able to study for 45 minutes or, or an hour and a half. I could study for two hours or whatever. Five minutes is great if that's where it starts. 10 minutes, amazing, okay? Start where you begin. 
but you truly, truly, truly focus for those five minutes. And here's what you do. You set a timer on your phone, turn the phone around so you're not seeing the timer and you focus. You do your task for however long you decide to focus. Don't overexert yourself. Don't do 50 minutes right off the bat. Five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. These are all really good times. Know yourself and, and make a choice. When the timer goes off, then you begin your recovery. All right. If you were focused for a time that pushed you, you're going to need to recover, even though you don't feel like you need to recover yet. Here's the thing. Eventually, you're going to get to where you can focus for an entire hour or longer at a time. Neuroscience is really, really clear. About 98% of humanity, the, the ideal focus time length is 50, five, zero minutes. There is a tiny, tiny subsection of humanity that can't go 50 minutes, where 45, 46 minutes is better for them. And there's an even smaller subsection that can go beyond 50 minutes. They can go to 52 minutes, 55 minutes, some even up to 60 minutes. But the vast majority of humanity can go 50 minutes at a time. The problem is, especially when you're on a roll, you focus and you're getting so much done and you hit that 50 minute mark, you don't want to stop because you've got so much momentum. And so you say, I'm going to keep going because I'm doing great. And so you push yourself an extra half hour, an extra hour. You push yourself until you start to feel like, okay, I need a break now. Once you feel like you need a break, it's way past the time that you needed to recover. You needed recovery long before that time. You just didn't know it. So set a timer and do not exceed 50 minutes. When you get to the end of that timer, whether it's 10 minutes or 15 minutes or 50 minutes, timer clicks or the timer sounds, you stop the timer and you stand up. You do not finish your sentence. You do not finish your thought, nothing. You put your pencil down or you take your hands off the keyboard. You stand up and immediately say, wow, nice job. Use your self-talk at that moment. And you say, great job, right? Literally call yourself by name. So I, to me, I said, man, Steve, amazing. Great job over those 50 minutes. Look at how much you got done. That was amazing. Look at how much you accomplished. I use the phrase, future Steve is going to be so grateful you just did what you did. I use that phrase a lot. Future Steve is going to love you for this. And what I'm doing is I'm creating in my head excitement over what I did. The fact that I was focused is like winning the game. And I congratulate myself and I celebrate as if I just accomplished something amazing, as if I just won. And I did, by the way. I really did win but I'm creating a dopamine hit in my brain through my self-talk, okay? What else am I doing? I stand up and the self-talk begins. I also, oh, I stretch out. I stretch the major muscles and I walk. I move my body. I go to a different location to get new water, to use the restroom, to splash my face, to do jumping jacks. I'm moving around and I stretch my body. And the whole time I'm doing this, it's just, oh, that was amazing. Nice job. Look at how much you did. This next block time, this next 20 minutes, this next 30 minutes, this next 50 minutes, whatever it is for you, it's going to be even better. And guess what? My entire recovery period takes about three minutes. I'm stretching. I'm using self-talk. I'm getting new water. I'm moving my body. And then I'm returning to the self-talk and saying, this next block is going to be even more amazing. And you come back, you set your timer again, you turn your phone over and put it on the desk so you cannot see the timer, and you refocus for 20 more minutes, or 10 more minutes, or 50 more minutes, whatever it is, okay? Block time is a game changer.
Because no, the reality is taking the stairs does take more effort. And there are too many tasks that we have to do that are not very pleasurable. And how long would it take for you to engineer a piano on every single staircase? Every single task in your life that is difficult, but you know is good for you. That's not very realistic. But what is realistic is managing your day, using the daily planner that I'm giving you, and managing your self-talk, okay? Remembering that you are the power plant. That self-talk comes from you. You don't just have positive self-talk. You awkwardly talk to yourself at first until it becomes natural. You generate that dopamine hit. All right, totally possible. I am living proof of this and my students are living proof of this. You can do it too. Self-talk creates that dopamine hit that the better behavior requires, right? Making the hard choice is going to be easier and easier when you have a dopamine hit associated with it, when you have some pleasure associated with it. The point is that instant gratification must work for you, not against you. And your self-identity, this idea that I'm someone who accomplishes more than everyone else. I'm a machine. I get more done in one day than my friends get done in one week or a month, right? I am, I'm going to make other people around me feel like a slacker, okay? That's the self-identity and the self-talk that can actually give you a sense of pride in your ability to get more done. Your self-identity and your self-talk can be your greatest tool. Music for this episode came from We Are Here by Declare P. I'm Steve Gardner. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and share with a friend. Thanks for listening.